You certainly need to know where you started, what you set out to do, and then you need to be able to talk to the rest of the business about whether that worked or not. If you adjusted midstream, maybe there was a regulatory change in your industry or, or some other major event that you changed your plan and this is what happened when you did that. But if you don't know what you were intending to do, you can't really speak about it in those terms. If you're just optimizing towards some sort of performance metric that has no relationship to your initial objectives, how do you know you did well? How do you know that you actually got what you meant? You are listening to Stack and Flow, the sales and marketing technology cast with Sean Zinsmeister and John Wall. Hello and welcome to Stack and Flow. I'm John Wall. And I'm Sean Zinsmeister. Sean, we've got you back in the house. You've been traveling a million miles. It's been an insane summer. What's been going on? I guess the real thing is like where to begin. <laughs> My <laughs> life has been a little bit of a whirlwind. To rewind the tape, I feel like I haven't even gotten a chance to to look back. But you know, ever since Infer was acquired, you know, even back in October, my son was born in November, and really, it's just been off to the races from there. Kind of dove deep into the world of ThoughtSpot and analytics, and I feel just like I've just been all over the country, getting in a chat with some of the biggest uh, companies in the world. So it's been it's been exciting, but it's also been incredibly enriching in terms of just the perspective that I've gotten. Um, it's it's amazing what a different world the BI and analytics landscape is versus the MarTech world. This a little bit of a different culture, and I think that it's more stooped in IT because hardware, scale, computer processing are things that the MarTech world is mostly cloud-based, right? And I think most people are kind of confused about you know, cloud native versus SaaS. You know, when we talk about SaaS and most of these programs are, you know, they're hosted uh, somewhere else, like not on-premise, where a lot of the big companies in the world that we get a chance to interact with, whether they're Fannie Mae or Walmart or Allergan or some of these others, I mean, they're still putting boxes in data centers. And so it's interesting to just sort of see the different nuances of, between the industries, but also a lot of things that I find are very similar from a lot of these big global companies and then what's going on in the MarTech world today. And I think that the one, I think, bed bug and pet peeve that I've started to develop a little bit of disdain for is this idea around data-driven. And I think this is one of the most overused terms that I think <laughs> has lost all meaning at this point. And I think that there is some bigger questions around what it means because I think that, you know, not to move us into an existential discussion. But I mean, if you look at like what's happening on the political level in our country today, it's like we're, we're almost living in this post-truth world. What do facts mean? And is getting more data into the hands of more people a way to combat? Is that the way we can create a more fact-based world? And is, is that really what we mean when we kind of look about our lives and the decisions that we make? And I think that's it's something that I bring like from that outward in type of idea into the business world where, you know, where are the decisions actually getting made and how are people actually using the information? Is it all about the data? And a lot of the shortcomings, and this is interesting to sort of bring Jocelyn into the conversation as well, because I know she's, she's stooped in both 
her previous role and lifetime, and I'm sure her every day is just so surrounded by data from you know when you were at Oracle and then Eloqua and then what you guys are doing at Alacadia, which is very much part of this, this sort of passionate drive that you guys have. But the key is, is like, how do you put this information into a workflow that actually is moving a business forward? And let me, before I sort of loop you in, I can kind of explain what I mean. I mean, you're looking, a lot of people are another big, bold term that people are talking about. It's this idea around digital transformation too, right? This big sort of broad, you know, what does that mean? It's been around forever. But the truth is, is that like, you have this like Amazon effect where these digital native companies are now destroying like the world of retail as we know it and brick and mortar. And the truth is, is like the way that they're fighting back, similar to like how I think that we can fight back against this existential reality crisis that we have as well is by using their data to move faster and be more productive and not be sort of stooped in that lost sea of just uh, pontification. And Bring it to like your world, Jocelyn. Like when you think about data driven, yeah, it just as an idea. I, you've seen this evolution in throughout your career, and like I'm, I'm interested to sort of see like in that timeline. Does that feel like completely off basis? Are you seeing different things? You know, where where would you go from there? It's interesting, actually. You, there was a lot in there that I could comment on. So I'll start with you talked about my background, and my background certainly informs a lot of how I think about things now. I started my software career at Eloqua, but I actually started my career in sort of data rich environments, always supporting marketing at DoubleClick. So I I sold online media at the beginning of my career. And that was really the first time that advertising had this rich data set that wasn't survey-based. It absolutely perplexed people. This idea that you only paid for how much, how many of your ads were shown or responded to. And it really flipped that world upside down. And then they became data hungry and, and sort of data obsessed. So I'm with you on that, that data-driven thing. What I'm seeing from sort of the best operators is it's really about data-supported decision-making. Data is a huge part of it, and we should have more, and we should find the ways to use it. But there's a lot of other things that go into decisions. And I've been working with marketers my whole career, and there's been this kind of drive towards ROI, return on investment, and and it being as though there's a magic equation out there that solves the world's marketing problems. But again, some of the best operators I work with are now talking more about this concept of return on intent, where you're using data to support your decisions. But at some point, there was a decision made before you had necessarily that new data set. So at Alacadia, we work in a large part of what we do is work in the planning phase. So if you can't drive everything just off the data of what's happening. You have to know what you meant to do in the first place. And right. you have to actually codify that and have a way to look at it. So I do spend a lot of time talking to folks that are trying to support a data-driven marketing organization. And they're trying to get down this path of ROI. But I think if you get too purist about it, I guess, and too much about purely the data and machine learning and take the, the human intuition and actually the collaboration that you're doing with other parts of your business, you're not actually getting ahead. You should be yeah. using that data to, to help automate and speed you up on, on lots of things. But 
but there are other parts of that. It's, it's not just in the data. Not, not all the answers lie in the data. Um, so it's an interesting talk track. Yeah. And there's a couple of things there that I'm, I'm interested in because I think that you're, you're absolutely right. And I want to talk about the inputs that you guys are kind of looking at, because I think that actually the budget planning and how you sort of are structuring that portfolio that you guys help with is a really key part of the marketing strategy. But no, I think that you're, you're totally right. I mean, a lot of the things that marketers need to measure is like when we start to talk about pipeline, well, you know, that's a really important part of what we do, because if you don't build pipe today, there'll be no tomorrow. And then you have to have a way of enabling that pipe. And then, as you said, like, I think that the, that's not keep using the pipeline analogy, but you know, the pipes behind the scenes, which is the automation piece and the stack is super complicated these days because these are modern businesses and they run on sophisticated operations. You know, if you have, if you're an enterprise with a field team, you need to be able to connect people via CRM and understand deal stages and your sales cycle is very, very different than somebody else's sales cycle. And the way that that information moves from point A to point B is really, really complicated. And there are a lot of great technologies um, to support that. But I wanted to go return on intent. This is interesting that this popped up. So are we talking about the intention of the marketing plan and like how close we got to it? Talk, unpack that one for me uh, sure. because I think that's a, that's, this is new. Yeah, I, it's, um, I have to give Sean Hiss at Equinix credit for it. Probably the first time I met with him after I started at Alacadia, this came up in a meeting because I have a few customers in my, my base who are longtime marketing operations professionals. And a couple of them uh, really hate return on investment because they feel like it's kind of a pursuit of a, yeah. something amorphous. Uh, yeah. and, and they feel like it's really gotten people off track. And that the pursuit of understanding the return on the investment you made is a good one. But the idea that there's one uh, is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, So return on intent, it it absolutely has to do with planning from the sense of your organization has a mission that they're trying to deliver and and a, a set of solutions they're trying to deliver to the market. And that is informing how your company operates And that comes to the marketing organization in a a set of business objectives. Those business objectives need to be interpreted into a marketing plan. And you invest against that plan with an intent to impact certain parts of your business, certain strategies, certain corporate objectives that you have. So that that initial laying out of this is what I'm going to do with this asset, this investment that the organization has given to me. And then I need to look at, did I get what I expected out of that? So I I plan to make these investments in this way to influence my market. I do it in this combination of campaigns and activities and, and efforts. And then I need to look at the return, whatever that means to that company and say, I meant to grow market share here or to support greater expansion in my customer base here. And I spend, spent accordingly. Is that what happened? And did I spend in the way that I intended to? And did I get the intended results? And any adjustments or optimizations you make on the, on the way should be around getting closer to that intent, getting better results. And and that intent may shift throughout the year, but you certainly need to know where you started, what you uh, set out to do. And then you need to be able to talk to the rest of the business about whether that worked or not, whether if you adjusted midstream, maybe there was a regulatory change in your 
industry or, or some other major event that you changed your plan and this is what happened when you did that. But if you don't know where you were, what you were intending to do, you can't really speak about it in those terms. If you're just optimizing towards some sort of uh, performance metric that has no relationship to your initial objectives, how do you know you did well? How do you yeah. know that you actually got what you meant? And let's be great to, to let's build some context for folks because I know sure. that given your role, tell us a little bit about what Alcadia does and how you guys play. Because I think that where where I sort of see the dichotomy is like you have these inputs and outputs, right? Yeah. And you guys are very much looking at that planning phase, which I think is greatly underestimated by how complicated it is for a lot of marketers, especially yes. with some of the companies that you guys are dealing with. So tell us a little bit about your role and then what Alcadia does. Sure. Yeah, I'll give you a bit of context about Alacadia and, and about myself. So Alacadia operates in the space of marketing performance management. And what that means to us is we need to enable marketers to really run their, their business. There's a lot of kind of do or execution tools out there that MarTech stack is really filled with them, but you need to have a plan first. And as you said, there are inputs at the beginning of a process to help you understand those outputs. And so Alicadia helps marketers sort of plan strategically to invest their, to invest kind of with purpose against that strategic plan and then to measure the impact of, of how that plan performed. So we're really one of those inputs that's kind of at the beginning of a, of a marketing process where a global marketing team, for example, at Microsoft or G Healthcare or Land Lakes will put all of their plans into a cloud-based tool, be able to collaborate on that, be able to move money around to support corporate objectives, be able to tie all their campaigns towards an, a corporate objective or some sort of important metric to the company. Once that plan is kind of set and locked, they then need to go and spend the money. So they need to actually understand, I plan to do this and now I'm actually doing it. So they're now actively managing their budgets. They're getting feedback from finance systems of where they are against that. They can adjust based on investment or also on, you know, return on that, on the outcomes that they're getting and shift stuff around, double down on what's working, get rid of what's not, and then be able to take those outcomes after they've gone and executed the strategy and say, okay, how did we do? How can we improve that plan next year or maybe even just next quarter on whatever timeline that is? And we've kind of created this new uh, rich data set around a plan and investment that's got its own ID, like anything in the MarTech stack, and hung off that is information like campaign, objective, region, product, whatever. So you have this really rich instrumented data set around plans and investment that you can now use in that complex marketing and, and sales technology stack to better inform the decisions you're making, to uh, better spend that next dollar, to better speak to your company about how you are supporting them and what you would do if they were able to give you more investment. So my background really coming to this is, as I said, my software career really started at Eloqua. So I spent about nine years in the marketing op automation space. Six of those were Eloqua as an independent company, and then three of those were after the Oracle acquisition. And that whole time, I'd spent a lot of time really talking about marketing and sales alignment, really talking about connecting the marketing motion with the sales motion so that you could really understand pipeline, velocity, return, all those things that were going to help you improve and drive 
you know, more results for your company. And I, I spent a lot of time actually talking about ROI or how to better understand the performance of your campaigns. And when I would ask people, all right, that's great. Uh, where do you hold your investment information? They would kind of stare at me blankly more often than not and talk about it, you know, a report they got from finance or that they didn't really do that. And it was sort of, sort of puzzling because it's part of the equation and, and marketers really struggled. They didn't have a place to really do that. Uh, so when I started imagining uh, going to a new company or, or taking a, a different role, I ran across Alcadia. And to me, uh, first of all, it had a lot of the customers I recognized from my early marketing automation days. And then it had this piece of the equation that I'd always thought was kind of missing. So it was, a, it was a very easy decision for me. I got to hang out with old friends and I got to solve a problem that I thought was really important. And I got to help marketers, an audience that I've always worked with, kind of get an even stronger position in their business as a strategic partner and drive even better decisions around it. Uh, and I really wanted to get back into the customer success side. And this was an organization in a size where I could build it sort of the way that I wanted to and and support the customer side uh, the way that I kind of felt and had learned at Eloqua was the right way to do it. So it was sort of a, a perfect combination of, of things for me. We have to pause just for a moment to thank Qualaroo for their support of Stack and Flow. Do you know why your prospects have never bought your product or service or why customers decide to leave and never come back? You don't have to guess based on vanity metrics. You can make sure to ask. The team at Qualaroo specializes in helping companies like TripAdvisor, Ticketmaster, and Spotify get to the why by cultivating the right questions, segmenting the right audiences, and asking at the right moment in time. By looking at over 120 million responses of questions that have been thrown via their customer websites, they've curated the top questions that have received over 10,000 responses and at least a 20% response rate. And they're giving away these questions for free. You can get this guide over at uncoverwhy.com. And it's a great opportunity for you to step up your surveying process and get your site primed to be able to get the most data that you can about how customers are using your site, whether it's prospects, returning customers, or anybody else. You can work with this data and get things optimized so that you're right on track. Again, you want to swing over to uncoverwhy.com. And we thank Qualaroo for their support of the show. That's great. I love having Qualaroo. I've been following those guys uh, for quite a while, and it's nice to see that they're doing great stuff. Jocelyn, you know, one of the things that as you were talking that I started to think about was what in terms of planning and like what you guys are doing now, I'm, I'm fascinated. I was, we talk about data sources and the types of stuff that people are most commonly plugging into Alcadia. Um, what are the common what are the common pieces that they want to see stitched together to sort of put that picture so they can do proper planning? What is that what does that most commonly look like? That's a great question, Sean. The most sort of obvious one, uh, since we are dealing with kind of money as as a, a central part of of what we're talking about, we're dealing with that investment. Uh, we work with ERP systems, uh, sort of your financial data whether that's connecting to a PO system so you can, once you kind of have a, an approved plan, you can go and request that money. You can have that workflow there. And then the actuals, how much money has been spent? How much money do I have to accrue quarter over quarter? What's my true investment in that program? As they kind of mature along the lines, there's some other obvious integrations. If you're going to have outcome data, you're going to want to talk to your CRM you may be wanting to talk to media vendors. In some cases, 
some of that data resides with your agency or, or tools that maybe your agency deals with. And we've recently been doing a lot more where it's you also have to connect to where the human work happens, where the actual tasks and things like that are. Because there's obviously in marketing a, a cost of time and, and human capital in there. So we've been working a lot with companies like Workfront, where you may actually, in fact, be tracking your team's time or certainly all the tasks related to getting something from a plan stage into an executed campaign or content tools or kind of campaign briefing tools, you know, sort of along the the compost, the news cred, the percolate, those kinds of things. So we're very often at the beginning of the kind of process being several months out from the beginning of your fiscal year, you're going to start your planning. And then we may kick off a whole bunch of other processes and a whole bunch of other tools where work gets done or where approvals get done. And then we need that information back. So it does end up being sort of a back and forth with those tools. And then we're also often sending our ID along with all the sort of rich metadata it has with it into those downstream tools or into a data warehouse or a data lake where all things get combined together. So many customers will put us at the front end of it to represent that plan that happens before execution. And then our ID will help them tie lots and lots of things together, whether that's with inside of us or visualized in a BI tool or some other method. But we're, we're often kind of sharing IDs and communicating with other tools with the intent of being able to tie plan and investment to whatever it is that's happening in that, in that other system. So where do you guys put yourself? I mean, is it kind of a combination of, you know, this is middleware for integration, but it's also business intelligence or how do you guys, you know, position yourselves? It's interesting. You, you started the conversation around BI and BI culture. Our, our founders and, and a number of our early employees come from the BI world in Vancouver. So they were all at Crystal Reports that was bought by Business Objects that was ultimately bought by SAP. So we, we actually have a fairly deep uh, history or, or set of knowledge around BI in the company. So BI inevitably, whether it's ours or whether you're executing it in your own BI environment, has to be part of the way we think about things. But you need a data set to, in fact, then look at that. And so we really have to be an input tool and a collaboration tool to be able to create that really rich data set around your plans. So a lot of the focus really is how can we support individual markers to understand, to easily manage that process of planning and forecasting and aligning with corporate goals so that this rich data set exists that then kind of gives answers maybe either higher up the chain or visibility to a CMO or to other marketing leaders. So we actually end up sort of playing on both sides of the fence. We know at the end of the day, people are trying to pull many data sources together that we're a piece of that puzzle and we need to be able to serve other BI tools. We need to be able to show our information in a rich environment. But to do that and to have good data, you need an experience that's good for that individual marketer trying to get their job done every day. We talk about uh, confidence. We talk about giving marketers the confidence to make a decision, to know where to spend their next dollar. So that individual marketer is very much at the forefront 
though ultimately that rich data set tends to be one that that really is instructive and informative for your leadership team. So I've sat at many a coffee shop with your your friend and my good friend uh, Sam Meldick from Alcadia, and we've mm-hmm. always argued about this idea of attribution. Yes, yeah, sure. I'm curious. So when I think about planning and I think of some of the motivations, especially behind marketers, you know, they're looking for not only they're looking for, you know, they're looking for efficiencies in the dollars spent, right? They want to make sure that they're aligning effort to impact as it were. But is, where do you fall down on how you're viewing attribution today? Is that, is that a main thing people are going to, or is it mostly just the systematic nature of how you guys are sort of helping the flow of funds address corporate needs, as you, as you so aptly put. Yeah, I, it's interesting. If we look at marketing performance management as kind of a whole category, we actually see attribution as a piece of it. Attribution is, so attribution tools create a data set or the pursuit of, of being able to do attribution means that you probably are creating a, a sort of a rich data set around interactions and conversions along some sort of a buying process or some sort of uh, kind of uh, touch point uh, journey that you're looking at. So it is absolutely part of that cycle of being able to invest better, being able having the intelligence to inform your plans. But it can be narrow in the sense that it mostly supports digital information, which is becoming a much bigger part of the whole. But it it doesn't necessarily give you enough context for the environment in which that digital interaction happened, AR, PR, other kinds of investment, other kinds of things that a marketing organization does and is responsible for, create an environment where your demand gen works, where your SEO works. They are intrinsically connected, but very difficult to really understand exactly what's going on. So the other other reason why I like the word intent is there's, I mean, marketing data is very complex. There's lots of it. I think people outside of marketing underestimate it. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of moving pieces and they're all interacting with each other. And there's a lot of correlation going on and and you need to capture as much of it as you can. You need to have a structure and a context in which to understand it. And then you need to be comfortable that there's going to be a little gray. There's just some things that are not nearly as measurable as others and that's, to me, a little bit where the marketer's creativity comes in. They need to be analytical in this day and age, no question about it. They need to be data literate and tech literate, but they also need to have a little bit of imagination in that there are some things that are never going to have a perfect data stream, and you need to be creative enough to start understanding the context in which your results are happening. So sticking on this topic, I think a lot of people have attacked this problem, and I think that you do a great job of laying out the complexities as relative and certainly it's a lot of it is just relative to the business challenges that they're looking at but you know as a lot of different companies i think have attacked this problem you know without naming you don't have to name any particular names or anything but it's just curious you know where have other technologies fallen short in your mind that you guys feel like you know you've been onto something where you guys have attributed success? I'm not sure I would say other technologies have fallen short. They just have a different orientation than we do. There aren't a lot of tools out there that have sort of money at the center of their orientation. They have digital footprints. They have other 
kinds of data. I mean, again, I worked a long time at Eloquent and the person, it was a profile in, in our case, was the center of that technology's universe. And we were always trying to find out who and connect that person to another person to continue some sort of a sales dialogue or drive them towards a conversion point or otherwise. So they were very sort of people oriented. And I think other tools are just taking a different perspective and creating a different data set around whatever that perspective is. And there just aren't a lot of people that are saying, okay, we're going to make money the center of our universe. And we're going to put all of the information that you need about investment um, before we go into uh, campaign. So the, the complexity of the MarTech landscape doesn't bug me that much because I do think there are a lot of different ways you need to organize your technology and organize your orientation to get the data set that's going to help you either in that function or in that particular area of marketing, but also tied together to see the whole. And so it's sort of no wonder that we've seen this explosion of tools. And then with the ongoing maturity of APIs, now this connecting of tools. So I'm not sure that other people have necessarily fallen short. I think a lot of people underestimate the power of brand investment and other investments that cannot be measured as directly as digital can. So I think that's probably a big gap that I would say other tools oriented in different ways have, but I, I don't know that that's wrong. I think that um, we need a, a bunch of different lenses onto what's going on with our buyers, what's going on with our assets that we have in market, what's going on with the organization, how we organize our, our people and our investment in time. So I think we all have to work together. I do think that ecosystem is what's helping us move faster and forward because it allows people to innovate on their expertise. Jocelyn, we were talking about you know Stack before we jumped on the line, and there's been this huge press now for more, uh, you know, a broader picture of the customer. It's not just lead and prospect, but it's like, okay, now after they come on board too, what's going on with them and what's their path look like at that point and are they successful? And you'd mentioned that you actually, that's part of your responsibility now too. You've actually put those together. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So I would say at Allocati, we have a revenue stack, but we also have a customer stack. At the center of everything we have is Salesforce, really. And um, that most tools kind of either feed off that or feed to it. So that kind of is where we bring those two stacks together. But yeah, as I said, when I joined Alicadia and, and I really grew up in customer success in the software world, I had this opportunity to really take lots of the things I'd learned and lots had advanced in customer success and the investment into the technology for that part of the organization had really kind of accelerated since I'd last been there. So I really got to start over a bit again. So being that we had, I also think everybody in the company should be able to have context around a customer. I want every interaction with our company to be in context for a customer to be known and to have a very good interaction with anybody they're speaking to because I'm making it possible and available to them. So Salesforce really holds most things. In my first really big project, probably after sort of mapping out the customer journey was to then instrument it. And for me, that has a couple of components in it. I really needed to look at, uh, my health score really looks at three things. It looks at the health of the relationship with the customer. It looks at the health of their adoption or their use of the tool. And then it looks at 
are they getting value? What's their value realization? And to make that possible, I had to tie together a bunch of things. So we use Gainsight as our customer success uh, tool, and that really helps me orchestrate the team and get them focused on the right types of activities, focused on customers in the right way. And I really wanted to look at relationships. So I have NPS, so that's sort of a sentiment thing. I have advocacy included in that, but I really wanted to look at relationships because I felt that that was a missing piece that's so important in a customer lifecycle. Do we have enough and enough of the right relationships in any account? So I turned to actually the my former founders from Eloqua, I, um, Steve Woods and, and Paul Tashima have a company called Nudge.ai, and I really turned to them for that relationship intelligence. So I started being able to have a view of how many relationships, how many strong relationships do we have in an account and how many total and what should I expect depending on the, the type of account and the maturity of their interactions with us. So I use that for my entire post-sales team to have a sense of, are we in the right way? And I've always had customer success leaders talking about you need to get broader relationships in an account and you need to go up, but I had no way of measuring that. That wasn't really manual and, and taking up too much of their valuable time. I want them focused on on really customer outcomes. So I use uh, nudge.ia to do that. Uh, the product information, we use a combination of Pendo as well as just some scripts that our dev team has written to help us understand where people are along the maturity in their journey with us. You know, the very basic, how many logins to are they integrating with their finance and, and have a strong process there to uh, does their CMO log in? Am I, am I speaking or delivering value to a senior leader? And then on the value realization side, are just the the company has always been very customer centered and done a lot of valuable work with them. And so I needed a, a view into the work that my support team and that my professional services team was doing with the customer. So we integrate with Workfront, and that's what our project management tool. And I use that to understand the initial project they do with us, that kind of onboarding, but also what are other things we do throughout a customer lifecycle, you know, custom reports or other ways that we might help them as they get more technology into their environment and need to integrate as they kind of mature. So I integrate with Workfront and then I just also ask them, are you getting value and kind of have almost a date field that says, if I can confirm that, then I get that credit. So I I do have that set of information there. And then marketing information is in there as well. We do some of our touch interactions through Gainsight, but we also have Marketo in our organization so we see that that uh, information coming into the customer life cycle as well because they consume our marketing information and and uh, they're they're learning through that. So I needed to tie all those things together, and then there's a natural crossover between sales and marketing. Nudges across the both parts of the organization. Salesforce is a, of course across both parts of the information. It's important for my new revenue team to understand the health of customers and advocacy and referenceability and things like that. So that information is made available to them. And then the the marketing and sales tech stack has a bunch of other things in there you find commonly in their, you know, sales navigator, sales loft, we use Uber flip, all sorts of things like that. So it's kind of a Venn diagram of stacks where my revenue stack and my uh, customer stack overlap on a set of tools, but everything really ultimately lives in Salesforce. 
Johnson, as you as we're already entering into H two, or I guess depending on how you guys carve up. Yeah, your, we're we're at the beginning calendar. of H one, so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so then as you guys sort of look at, I guess this in general, the latter half of the year, what are you looking ahead into? What are the big initiatives on the horizon? What's What's gotten you excited? What's got me excited? So we did a good amount of work, at least in the new revenue side around segmentation, around really better understanding our ICP. I mean, we've been on that journey for a long time. I'm putting much more muscle behind the data that supports the efficiency of that team the SDR team, the sales team alike. So probably our some of our biggest projects are really data ones, which are not necessarily sexy projects, but they're exciting to me because I know kind of the difference maker that doing data projects well, really understanding where you can get fine signals. We know a lot about when somebody is likely to be in cycle for us. So what are the places and the data signals that we can find in the environment to, to feed that and to help that? Probably the the most exciting for me is really trying to better understand uh, kind of our customer influence on new revenue. It's certainly not by accident, but it sometimes feels that way. We see our customers come back to us and not always as the decision maker, but there might be customers in a former customers in an account that we're working with and they kind of, they're the internal references. I'd like to find a way to organize better around that to potentially accelerate it, to potentially find new customers that way and also to acknowledge them. So I'm really trying to figure out how can I, how can I anticipate uh, when a user moves from one company to another, how can I help them bring allocated to that new company to experience the same value they had before? How can I identify that they're there? How can I really build a bigger community? So that's sort of, again, on the data side, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I understand where they are. And then I do also want to create a community. That was something that was so powerful for us at, at Eloqua. My customers definitely speak to me about wanting that. We do field events and it's clear that that's something that's needed, but I need to do it in a probably a more scalable way this time around. I'm just we're not that big yet. So are there ways that I can help customers connect with each other and provide them value in that exchange and get our customers talking to each other more? and helping each other more because there's so much value in a peer connection. And if I can, in some small way, contribute to them being able to have a richer experience in a, and accelerate their own success in learning by learning from their peers, then that's something I, I really, really want to do. So those are probably the two are data. One is a little bit about the people in there, but those are the things that I'm working hard on now, for sure. Jocelyn, that's great. If people want to get in touch with you to learn more or find out more about Alacadia, what's the best way to get in touch? You know, LinkedIn is probably the best way to get to me. So Jocelyn Brown, and I'm the VP of Customer Success at Alacadia. Our website, alacadia.com. By all means, come check it out. Reach out to us there. I'm on Twitter at Joss Brown. I'm happy to, to interact with people. I learn from my customers and my community. So yeah, definitely reach out to me. Okay, great. Sean, how about for you? Anything you've got to plug in the next coming weeks? What's going on? I have a few things coming up in the future to put on people's radar. I have some travel again coming up pretty soon, but things I'm looking ahead to are uh, the first inaugural user conference beyond 2018 is coming up in Washington, D.C. So if you go over to thoughtspot.com slash beyond, definitely find a lot of good information there. Still building up an exciting speaker alignment uh, from anywhere from data visionaries, etc. The other thing is that uh, AWS reInvent is on my mind as well. Uh, that's also later in November should be. I mean, that show, I don't know, John, have, if you haven't 
uh, been around that show. I mean, that thing is becoming almost Dreamforce scale at this point. It's just massive. And so this will be my first year doing that show. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But aside from that, you can always connect with me on all the usual channels. LinkedIn is probably my favorite. I'm an active Twitterer as well, S. Zinsmeister. And you can find me over there. That sounds good. Yeah, I've got it's just road trip everywhere here. I'm going to be over at Inbound. We've got an event called Fuse in Philadelphia coming up. Uh, we've got Content Marketing World running the same time as Inbound. And Marketing Profs B2B in November in San Francisco is going to be another great show. So we've got all those going. And you can always find more from me over at Marketing Over Coffee. We've got a nice two-part interview with Healy Cipher over there talking about the future of retail. We check in with him every year, and that's a great uh, show to catch to see kind of what's going on with smart kiosks and smart stores. I'll link to that in the show notes. But that's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the stacks.